You're listening to the Recruiting Daily Podcast. We're live from Sherm 22 and talking to some of the best minds in HR and business. We are digging into the most pressing issues in the workplace so you don't have to. Now, here's your host, William Tinkup. Ladies and gentlemen, this is William Tinkup, and you are listening to the Recruiting Daily Podcast. We are broadcasting live from Sherm Annual in New Orleans. And we are uh, lucky enough to have uh, roped in one of the executives of SHRM. Nick is going to talk a little bit about himself and uh, the work that he does uh, for SHRM. So, and we're going to talk about the conference. So this will be a lot of fun. I can't wait to get into it. Nick, would you do us a favor and introduce both yourself? You don't have to introduce SHRM. We all, we, <laughs> everyone knows, everyone knows SHRM. If you don't, don't listen to the podcast. Just yeah, kidding. Really. So sure, I'm Nick Schacht. Um, I am SHRM's Chief of Strategy and Chief Global Development Officer. And so at SHRM, been at SHRM for about five years now. In fact, I started my career at SHRM at this conference here in New Orleans five years ago. Um, I am responsible, in addition to strategy, I'm responsible for all of our education programs, products, and services. I'm responsible for all of our B2B sales, our work outside the U.S., uh, all of our e-commerce and merchandising. So if you go to the SHRM store here at the conference, that's my team in there. And let's see, our book publishing and a couple of other things. So the uh, the bookstore is, that goes under e-commerce, yeah? Yes, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Because everything in there is eventually available online as well through the SHRM store online. And the uh, SHRM recertification credits, um, where is that tucked under? Is that under education? So we have... Two, two factors. The recertification operations team is part of certification operations. Right. That's in our knowledge development organization right. under Alex Alonzo. Um, in terms of what you can earn recertification credits for, that could be SHRM courses coming from education. Right. You come to this conference. That's right. You get 27 and a half. You go to a local SHRM chapter meeting. Right. We have more than 5,000 partners with more than 50,000 ways to earn recertification credits. That's right. So I generate some of them. My team generates some of them. I've, I've, I, I have the certification, and so, uh, and so I, I need those credits. So I, I appreciate you, you and me both. I see. I appreciate this immensely. So, how did you first? How did you get into strategy? Because it's always interesting to me to people understand people's careers as they get to a chief strategy officer. Um, you know, there's not there's not a uh, there's not a undergraduate degree in strategy. No, I, I think it has to do with the fact that I'm old at this point in time. I mean, before coming to SHRM, <laughs> I spent, a, I spent, um, I spent um, more than 30 years in learning and development. And I was CEO of a half a dozen companies yeah. and, and over a 20-year span as part of that. And before that, I was in the Navy and, and so on. So, you know, I, I say old and I roll my eyes. Um, my daughter would definitely call me old. But, I mean, there's... A, you. you if you are paying attention, if your brain is on, things fall into patterns. This right. is how we learn. And over time, you see enough of those patterns, you can begin to see things that both repeat themselves, but you see opportunities. And sometimes you see the doors before they open. I think those are the things that actually give somebody an aptitude for strategy. I happen to be blessed with a great executive team. I mean, Johnny C. Taylor Jr. is a terrific CEO, and I have a terrific executive team. So my counterparts really look to me to be the person that takes all of the input 
and helps craft the story and the narrative and then feeds it back through them to make sure that I'm getting it right and then to make sure that we stay on the same track with that story arc. Are you, are you a big fan of the annual plan or the five-year plan or the three-year plan or any of those any things? So Dwight Eisenhower said during World War II, this is a Naval Academy I know, graduate, I, I know, get that. I know. Dwight Eisenhower said, plans are nothing, but planning is everything. 100%. A plan is obsolete the minute it is set down, right? But it's this process of thinking through right. what do we want to do? Yep. Because if you don't know where you're going, any road gets you there, right? right. Um, what do we want to do? What are the obstacles that we're going to encounter? What are the risks? What are the resources we need? How are we going to get there? And then constantly checking in with yourself. How's it going? How do we adjust? I mean, if you're sailing, are you a sailor? Have you ever been on a, been on a uh, sailboat? Yes, I've been on, yeah. Okay. So you know if you're sailing, particularly if you're sailing against the wind, you're never going straight toward where you want to go. Right. Because the sails don't work that right. way. Right. Right? <laughs> so you're sailing on one angle, then you're tacking, and you're sailing on another angle, and right. so on. Eventually, you get to where you're going, but you're constantly looking at how do I need to adjust. And the right. same thing is true with regard to plans. An annual plan as, as, as part of, say, you know, you could use a three-year planning process or five-year process. It um, the The long-range process sets out the vision for where are we going and what are the big avenues by which we're going to get there. The annual plan is a touch base, it's a reinforcement, and it's a statement that the entire organization can get behind in terms of why are we doing what we're doing today and how are we applying our resources to do that. I've seen uh, models that do uh, the three-year plan, but they do a rolling quarterly. Yep. So basically, the closer you are to the quarter that you're in, the clearer it is. The further away it is, the fuzzier it is. You You know where you're going. But it's fuzzier because you know it's okay for it to be fuzzy. You still want to, like, say for you, uh, as, a, as a for example, you want to open up a Sherm in South America. Mm-hmm. Let's just make up something right now because you have a wonderful presence in India. But let's just say that you wanted to have a, a huge Sherm South America. Okay, well, that's a three-year. Let's just put that way out there. Again, this is just made up closer to that you're putting the building blocks together that are agile but you know where you're going it's like yep. what uh, the military and more more the army I believe they, they use this phrase called clear intent where it's communicated from the top down what the intent of the mission is so that everyone no matter who they are or where they're at they know what the mission is and yep. so I, I think it's important in an organization, especially as an organization like y'all's, to be able to have an idea of where we're trying to actually go and then communicating that across the team. But the, the advantage of the rolling process. So if you right. think about it, uh, <coughs> excuse me, a static annual process, you know, you, at the beginning of the year, you've got 12 months of you know, runway in the windshield. And right. gradually that reduces to, you know, nine months, six months, three months, and less of visibility until all of a sudden you activate the next budget. Right. With the rolling, you can always keep that. You know, we're, we're just in the process now because we have a new CFO. We are moving to a rolling 12-month forecasting and, and planning model okay. within Sherm. Okay. Um, even cool. though we've got our 2022 yeah, yeah. budget, yeah, yeah. You know, we'll be building a 2023 budget. But by the time we build that budget, we'll have had the advantage of nine months of 2023 in the windshield, right? 100%. So gradually we want to extend that to include the full length of the strategic plan. 
It's a learning process. It is. A, it's it's going to be, I mean, for everybody, I've been through this process personally. And at first, it's a bit off-putting because I was used to annual plans and annual budgets and everything, you know. In yep. November, we're going to get together and build the thing. And then, uh, and, and it is, is it in the lactates? <clears throat> Every quarter, you're literally revising and making small edits or calibrating. And it's, it's those recalibrations that I find fascinating. Yeah, but it's actually easier. Yes. You actually put less effort into it, less 100%. work into it. it, and, it but, and it, I think it's truer because of those recalibrations. Yeah. Like, eh, that didn't work. Right. Turn that there. So one of the things I wanted to ask you is advice you'd give your learning and development self. I want to say CLO, but I'll just <laughs> say learning and development self and your CEO self. Now knowing what you know. <coughs> advice I would give. Yeah. You know, it's one of those deals. I don't. I don't live with a lot of regrets, um, but there is advice at fifty-four that I would love to go back and give that that eighteen-year-old, twenty-one-year-old, twenty-four-year-old, help fifty-three-year-old. <laughs> so there are probably there's several pieces of advice that I think would offer myself to to my learning and development self. Believe in your vision and follow it through. There are things that I thought could be done 20 years ago that <clears throat> I thought about it and then I said, eh, maybe not, and just moved on more with things that were close to what we were doing. Right. Um, as I've moved on in my career, the ability to actually do some really transformative work. Right. <clears throat> and not, not just move the needle, but step outside, eliminate the box, and rethink how we do training. We, we built a product called PMQ, for example, People yeah. Manager Qualification, which it was so much fun and so different and so connected to today's workforce and today's people. I had you know, visions of that 20 years ago, but never had the courage to really step out and do it. And was, I, it was it other people doubting you, that bit, or was it you doubting yourself? I well, or, there are always other was, people was who are doubt. Gonna, there are always other people who are going to doubt. It was yeah. me not believing in myself enough. Good so point. believing in myself more. Right. Right. And um, almost trusting your instincts. Like my yeah. instincts are right. We're going this direction. Yeah. Exactly. Hmm. Now, advice to my CEO self: When you initially take on the mantle of president or CEO, leader of an organization. Many, many of us fall into this trap of believing somehow this means we have to be perfect. Right. We have to know everything. We have to be able to do everything. It took me probably half a dozen years in those roles to understand the value um, and the authenticity of being able to acknowledge when I don't know something and what I don't know, but what I'm going to do about it also. And being able to admit that to people, as along with the, 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 the corollary of that is being able to admit when you were wrong. Yep. And simply saying those words, I was wrong. My bad. Or what do you think? Yeah. Yeah. And then, and then go on from, okay, so I was wrong. What should we do now, given where we are? Those words actually save a lot of angst and, and anguish over time. Um, so use them when appropriate, and right. you know use them use them more. Well, our our country wouldn't be our country had it not been for General Meade at Gettysburg asking his other generals, "Hey, what was what should we do?" Yeah, because Lee 
didn't ask any of his generally didn't ask any of his generals what to do. They just wanted to charge up the up at Gettysburg. They just wanted to charge up the hill. And Meade, being new to the position, asked his other generals, like just was was vulnerable in yep. a sense. He'd just come from Lincoln, and he was President Lincoln. He'd literally just come from him, and he like I I don't know anything about what's going on here. I don't even know any of these guys. So hey, what do we do? What do we do? <clears throat> and I find it fascinating that that's forty miles from DC. Yes, and and at that summer Lee was kicking everyone's tail. Yep, all across Virginia, it wasn't. He was forty miles from victory, and there were we were that close to be being two different countries. You know, it's it, it, it's a great example, um, William, because I have a. a my own theory of leadership in terms of what is the role of a leader when you're in an organization is not to be the smartest person in the room. Because right. you're not going to be. If you're, no. if you're a good leader, you hire people who are That's smarter than you, right? <laughs> yeah. um, the role of the leader is really four things. The first is establishing a vision, and that's a collective establishment of a vision, and then making sure that people communicate effectively around that vision. Right. All right? Um, So managing the communications and encouraging and facilitating communications of your team. That's, That's a big one. The second is... By virtue of um, your role as a leader, there are barriers that only you can remove. Right. So identify the barriers that are getting in your team's way and remove them. Right. Similarly, there are resources that you have access to and you can provide that only you can provide. Provide those resources. And then the fourth thing is get out of the way. Yep. And let them go. And, and that's it. I mean, I'm so blessed here at Sherm to have such great teams and such great leaders that I'm, I'm at least in my own little universe, my own little laboratory, able to prove this theory pretty much every day. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, what's wonderful about it is, again, you give people the tools, the resources, and everything. And then I, I love the teasing out of the vision, getting everyone on the same page, making sure we're all good with it, communicating it, and then abdicated because I think a lot of leaders feel like they have to lead the charge. Yep. And uh, and I think that actually that, that idea of falling back and let other people taking credit for where things go well. I had saw something on social media the other day about when is it appropriate for you to take credit for someone else's work? And it's <laughs> like never. Yeah. <laughs> well no, I mean it's it's so take the Sherm store in there yeah. in Hall F, right? Um that team had to receive like 200 pallets of stuff late last week, get it all received in the, in the computer system, then get it, get the, 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 the store built, get the shelves stocked, get oh, everything yeah. laid out. And, and get, it looks beautiful. And, and, and it does. Thank you. Yeah. Um, on behalf of the team, thank you. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I mean, my role there is... If I'm charging up the hill, I was there unloading boxes and putting inventory out with them on Thursday when that's what we needed people to do. And that's right. when, you know, you're with them and you're, you're charging up the hill so they know that you're actually with them as opposed to saying, good job, team, you know, I'll see you in the bar tonight or something like that. It's funny that you mentioned that. My, my son just came back from Germany and he went over to Luxembourg and General Patton is buried over there because he wanted to be buried where his men were. Oh, cool. That is that I did not know that. I did. Very cool. I didn't either. I'm like that had to have been his son. He's like, no, that was Patton. He wrote it in his will, and his wife tried to have it reversed. And Luxembourg's like, can't do anything. It's right. Like, send his will. He wants to be buried here. Literally, yeah. he's buried 
has the exact same cross. You've seen those battlefields. Yeah. Has the exact same cross as everybody else. That That is just very like, classic. That's just says George S. Patton Jr. Yep. That's it, the date. It's like how humble and how, I mean, I'm, I mean, yeah, I, really. I mean, just how cool is that as a leader? Um, well, let's do two things. One is, is there anything strategic that you can talk about that we should be aware of? Uh, things that are coming down the pipe. So if you... <coughs> Excuse me. No worries. If, if you listen to what Johnny said about um, in, in his keynote this yep. morning about our responsibility to shape the world of work so that every employee benefits, every employee grows... That's really what we are focusing on. When when um, Johnny Johnny got to Sherman about five months after I did, so we really kind of joined together. When five years ago we were talking about ourselves to our you know about our two hundred eighty five thousand members to our two hundred eighty five thousand right. members, right. we started thinking in terms of now three hundred you know plus thousand members and the 115 million people they support and their families is right. our way of you know going to better workplaces better world pretty much touching everybody and to do that we we have to continue serving the HR community that's absolutely important but more enable them to serve the people that they serve and help organizations transform oh, I love that and so as we we focus now, one of the other things we had to do in, um, four years ago in 2018, our bylaws said you cannot have commercial members, enterprise members. Right. And so we had to get the board, go through the process, get the board to change the bylaws so that, yes, because organizations have needs, the same as individuals have needs. Right. And how do we transform and help organizations transform so that we can build this better world of work? That's well, probably the most strategic thing that we are focusing on. Well, I think it's great, A, from a, a number of reasons, not just the, the, the B2B side, uh, but I've always, like, uh, ADP, 100 years ago, they would get their, this was back when certification wasn't done by Sherm, um, they would get their salespeople, their enterprise salespeople, certified mm-hmm. in HR. And what I loved about that is when they were actually talking to HR, they'd actually be able to, you know, I understand kind of the job. I don't do the job, but I understand yep. kind of some of the things you're going through. I always, I always thought that was just a great First of all, just a great sales tactic. But beyond that, I thought it was just wonderful to have some of that empathy to actually understand what the person's going through. So I, I love that. I think it's great. Um, actually, I think the more you pull in the enterprise, the more you're going to learn about Johnny's vision and how you can impact not just the whole organization, but the world. Exactly. And, you know, so one key piece to that is... If, you, if we think about HR, we have some research. We did some research with Gallup, found they're like between an employee's life cycle in an organization, there are like 85 different types of HR type encounters. 35 of those, <laughs> 40%, happen between people and their direct manager. Right. They don't come into the HR, the nope. formal HR realm at all. And yet, we know how well managers are trained and trained to lead and so on. Um, we've done research on this, and, and um, uh, uh, HR professionals say that 30% of their time is spent cleaning up after the stupid people tricks caused by people managers. Right. So one of, our, one of our axes of interest, one of our focus areas, is people managers. Building better people managers is critical to better HR in this better world of work. If you just do that, 
you've changed the world. Well, yeah. I mean, there look, there's one HR person on average for every hundred employees. Right. There's one people manager on average for every ten employees. Yep. So ten times as many of those people. Yep. It's span of control. Yeah. Um, let's talk a little bit about the conference because um, I I put on a bunch of events, not not near at this level or uh, remotely close. People don't know how the sausage is made. Let's <laughs> let, let's not uh, let's not spend a lot of time there. Uh, but it is first of all, it's gorgeous. Uh, if you've not ever been to a Sherm annual conference, it's always really, really well put together. But this one just seems to have a different buzz about it. I don't know if it's we're all coming out of COVID or ish, and people just are. There's I see people embracing like it's just it's crazy because it's it's nice to see. Like 2019, I would have probably not even given it a thought. Okay, right. but after the hell that we've been through. Now I'm looking at people differently, and it's like, wow, people are really energized. There's an energy to the room. So, first of all, just give us kind of high level. What do you What do you want to get out of the show? Like, what are you looking forward to? Um, some of it is just outside it, the ending. Well, I, I'm, <laughs> this is a journey. I mean, I'm, I'm just happy to be here. Um, but then I love I love it when when we're on a stage of sorts. Um, some of it is just to get this sense of community going. Again, I mean, we did we did a smaller version of the show last year in Las Vegas, right. um, <clears throat> with a more constrained budget because we had uh, you know right. about forty percent of the people there that we have here now. That's right. Um, but some of it is to show new and fresh approaches to get people thinking. Gee, I didn't think that was HR, or gee, I didn't realize Sherm did that. But more importantly, it's about this community. You go in the expo hall behind us, and that is a community of 580 vendors who all contribute to the lives of employees one way or another, whether it's Omaha Steaks or, um, you know, Paycom or the Stress Puppy booth. Um, you've got contribution to employee well-being. And everywhere now there is talk of transforming how we think about work, worker, and workplace. The pandemic accelerated that, um, really took trends that were already underway, but at a much right. slower rate. We probably traveled through 20 years of normal rate change in about two years. 100%. Getting people to realize what what can be done, what has been done, what control can they take, what power do they have, um, is really my goal for this. I, I talk to attendees all the time, and one of my messages is always, look, if you can find three ideas that you can take back and implement, this has been worth the trip for you. 100%. Don't try to remember everything, but take back three things that you can really act on. And so if every person here, every one of the 13,000 attendees here takes back three ideas, all of a sudden we've got 40,000 new ideas floating out in 13,000 different workplaces. That's right. And that changes the world of work. Well, and, and those ideas can come from anywhere that's the dif- the difference and i know we're doing a hybrid model but it's the stuff that happens in the hallway the stuff that happens in the expo hall at the registration line in the sessions at dinners etc like those ideas can come from anywhere so i love that and you and i had talked about the registration area i think that's hall f hall f right it is so cool because when we first walk into it it's 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 like you're at a, a house of blues 
of sorts. Yep. You know, and it's it's just got a cool vibe to it. And again, you can go in there at any given point. The registration, and there's stuff for students. There's recertification stuff. Like it's just it's got a great vibe to it. So it's yeah. really well put together. So getting again, getting people to re-energize, recharge. Um, from our perspective, it's also a message that yes, this is a community that is back. And <clears throat> you're absolutely right. These people are huggers. Yep. I mean, there are a lot of hugs yep. going on here. Yep. And it's great to see. Yeah, I, I think so too. Nick, thank you so much for your time. I know you're busy. I know you got like 19 other things you got to go do, but thank you for carving out time for us. Yeah, terrific. Thank you very much, William. Really appreciate it. And thanks for everyone listening to the Recruiting Daily Podcast live from Sherm Annual in New Orleans. Until next time. You've been listening to the Recruiting Daily Podcast live at Sherm 22. Check out the latest industry podcasts, webinars, articles, and news at recruitingdaily.com.